Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hold, primates listening. It is I, Numator 479. According to our studies of your puny mammalian race, we discovered you like very good coffee. And while it is our evolutionary purpose to cause you psychic torment, we want you awake and vivacious to give it. So try our new blend from Spring Hill Jack Coffee, Reptilian in the Morning. Our proprietary blend of lightly roasted cocao husks will have you immediately energized upon emerging from the pain cloaca with all your slippery new eggs. Thanks, honey. I'm cold-blooded. Mmm. Eggs to Spring Hill Jack and last podcast on the left. I'm ready to get out there and eat some babies. Get out of the way, Hillary Clinton. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. I'm going to start today with a bit of a controversial thought. Please. Uh, obviously, we're going to get to some of the corrections. <laughs> the various many corrections. It's, well, this, it's, it's been a week. What, what happened? Married? People were wrong? No, no never me. <laughs> I, I blame society. <laughs> mostly for, for me. Yeah. All right. Which is honestly, it's right on. Right on. Is Anders Andrew? Like, is that there Andrew? Yeah, I don't know. Well, he did use uh, Andrew as a pseudonym, but we'll get to that. Okay, cool. Well, Are I'm we sure? S- I'm gonna say, <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! But this is my thinking, right? This bad kid, sure. Anders Brevik, bad kid, naughty boy. Naughty yeah. Boy, yeah, you know, naughty boy. People, you know, punched hard for four year olds. Extremely dangerous. No one knew what to do with him. But imagine if there was just one magical afternoon where Michael Jackson could have chosen Anders Brevik. Right? That's how you actually pronounce it. Yeah. Brought him to Neverland Ranch one time. And had the monkey rip him to shreds. Wait, <laughs> that would be incredible. Either way, but think about what good it would have done yeah. for that little boy to play with the llama. Yeah. yeah. Go on the train. I was looking at a bunch of old pictures of Neverland Ranch. Um, and let's say it did fall into disarray. Yeah. And it seemed that he was distracted by a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, he was trying to go back on tour. He was, he was feeling super sleepy. Yeah. Maybe he was getting his, I can get my milk every night. But, man, I just think about that. Like, maybe he needed some of that joy. I watched the old Michael Jackson Super Bowl performance that he did. And when he had all of those kids dancing in unison at his whim, (laughs) I just thought, 
man, Anders Breivik should have been there. Yeah. And like, man, I just feel like a little bit of joy, a little bit of dun, 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 like could have like helped him. Yeah. I bet he wouldn't have liked it. He looks like Macaulay Dolkin. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast on the left, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks here with Henry Zabrowski. You're not Marcus Parks. I'm Marcus Parks. That's fun. Yeah. No, don't try to forget. <laughs> Henry, you're wrong. <laughs> I was about to say, all you're trying to do is take all the shit you got wrong last week and put it on me. You got shit wrong, too. Uh, meh. I love that. <laughs> it's fun not knowing anything. Yeah, uh, isn't it nice to stay ignorant? And the know nothing is. Ed Larson. Hello! I'm an idiot! <laughs> and thank you for saying it. Boogers are delicious. You shouldn't say that anymore because you blew my fucking mind to the top yeah. of side stories last week. Do you know that picking your nose has given people Alzheimer's? Is that you? Yeah, I saw that. One percent of people with uh, Alzheimer's pick their nose. I yeah. love picking my nose. We all do. My nose. I love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, so it's bacteria from Wash your finger. Wash your hands first before you pick your nose. Yeah, Wear gloves. That's the, no, but sanitizer. that's the thing. Is that's the great thing about picking your nose? It's an absent-minded thing. I know, but now you got to think about it just a little bit. <laughs> one more thing to hyper-focus on, and I'm just thank God I am gifted with the superpower of OCD hypervigilance that allows me to really dig in. I yeah. just been snorting fucking antibacterial soap and everything's fine. <laughs> really? It gets you fucked up. <laughs> cool. Well, here we are at Anders Breivik part two. I don't like saying Breivik. It makes me feel weird because I don't like putting the word brave into his name. Also, he's a fucking coward. It's Fuck not, him. though. He's, also, yeah. we could call him whatever the hell we want. We yeah. can call him Mr. Tushy Pants. <laughs> he should be Mr. Tushy Pants. I would actually then go as far as to call him Panders Breivik. You know, like, but he's a, a you know, it's hard because it because it gets Anders Breivik. That's how you get it, Norwegian. Yeah, but I'm not going to see. Also, say, Iceland is not Scandinavia. I talked to my friend Addy this morning, who is an Icelander, and I ran it by him, and he said that Icelanders are culturally Scandinavian, oh my God, but not sounds, geographically Scandinavian. Sounds like I'm yes. in the middle of somebody else's manifesto. And that, and that was from a man named Adustin Jorgensen. I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I believe him. But I got yeah. several strident wooden emails from people saying that it is not Scandinavian. Yeah, his whole thing. Yeah, and then he went on to talk shit about the Norwegians and the Swedish for them back bastardizing the fucking Icelandic language because the Icelandic language is the original language of Scandinavia. I'm starting to see what's going on here. I'm <laughs> yeah. starting to see an interstatehood kind of rivalry happening, and we are now in the center. Yeah, they got the three little droopy dicks. That's Scandinavia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Culturally, but not geographically. I just don't... I'm with everyone. Yeah. I mean, what are you do? So by the time Anders Breivik turned 30, he'd almost disappeared into the world of online right-wing extremism completely. But he still had tenuous connections to the real world. According to former friends, when they took him out for his 30th birthday, the only topic of conversation Breivik wanted to spend time on was the book he was writing. He was such an overbearing, <sighs> bore, mm. and piece of shit 24-7. And it's just, it's hard because I did some reading into online radicalization after this because like that idea of someone going away yeah. for five years and then coming out of a room full of farts <laughs> like a different guy yeah. is interesting. But it, it really shows a lot of times like it's online radicalization is so much faster. An in-person radicalization. It is. Like We've you watched it happen. But for a long time, I didn't understand why. But I was like, so, but why? And, but it's really, there's like a, 
I'm, I might be talking a little bit out of school here, so feel free to correct me, sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. But the idea that our biological brains, or the meat in our heads, are not supposed to be subject to so many different thoughts at any given time, and that's so much information yeah. at any given time. And that you truly, like, back in the day, they used to have, you know, because we talk about when hate went online, mm-hmm. they were, like, first up. Yeah, oh yeah, Stormwatch is one of the oldest sites on the internet. Yeah, like, they were right, and as soon as the internet started, there were hate groups online, and it started in forums, but they always viewed offline evangelism as, like, crucial. Like, you have to go to a gun show. You have to go to a place. You have to do these things. You meet up with people. Someone has to hand you the protocols of the elders of Zion. Yeah, because, again, that's how you know, locally sourced. <laughs> but the, it's also, we joked about it last time, about how, like, you know, even members of Al-Qaeda would, like, hang out. You yeah. know what I mean? They would go and have barbecues and shit. Like, And there was, like, a social contingent to the offline evangelizing of hate groups. Yeah. But then, like, basically it shows that if you're online, it's so much easier to because like there's no side quests online. There's no hanging out. There's no joking around. You guys are all just talking hate all day long, getting pumped full of ideology, and it ramps up the effects of being in this echo chamber where you're like you have no other thought outside of your little world. Well, basically, it create it, it shifts your reality. Yeah. Like you, you have this own bubble of reality, and that's what Henry was telling me earlier today. Is that the more you ingest this information, the more it becomes. Oh, this is what the world is. Sure, like, this is it completely because our brains are trained to do that. Yeah. Well, before the internet, there were like checks and balances on what we read a little bit. Well, you know? so our reality is created by the information that goes into it and the and the data. So eventually, if you if that's the only data that's going into it, that's how you're going to see the world. And then he's going out. Right, so now he's spending all day inside. And he's brevic. And he's brevic. He's going out. He's fucking playing World of Warcraft twenty four seven. He's he's got no job, no, nothing going on. Uh, he, but when he goes out with his so called friends, they all are like, when he starts spouting off his horseshit, all of his buddies are like, you know, that's fucking wrong, right? Or like that's stupid. Or well, you're, we don't like you anymore. Well, his buddies at this time, like he's keeping all this shit hidden. Like yeah. he's when he's at 30, he's going out for his 30th birthday. He's not talking about the Arabia theory. He's not talking about Muslims. He's just talking about the Knights Templar. Ugh. Like, because that's the thing. He that sounds like me. Because <laughs> he didn't tell his friends that the vast majority of the book he was working on was extremist right wing rantings. Yeah. He told his friends, I'm working on a book about the Crusades. And specifically, I'm focusing on the Battle of Vienna in 1683. But focusing on this battle was a potent right wing Islamophobic dog whistle if you knew the story behind the battle. Well, you know, like his you, friends could probably infer when he started talking about the Europeans defending themselves against the Muslim hordes that he's probably got some bad opinions. Yes. But he's not out and out openly talking about this shit. It just I just find it interesting. He's a coward. He is a coward. And I just find it interesting that he like did have to hide his right wing views because he knew that they wouldn't be into his right wing views. And so every single time he would try to he would he began to be more and more separated mm-hmm. from society because he's he's isolating himself because he's going back to the same places that all make him feel good about the horrible things that he's saying. Do you think if he did it like without a gun or without a weapon at all, like hand to hand, would that make him not a coward? <laughs> <laughs> I'd think about it more. <laughs> he's just walking around town beating people up. Yeah. 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 You just see another pun- local psycho. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's punching at people, yeah. kicking a baby, you know, like, you know, pissing on a water fountain. <laughs> now, the Battle of Vienna, the thing that Anders Breivik was focusing on, that has become a legendary milestone in the minds of extreme right-wing radicals due to the fact that it involved a Muslim force invading a European city and failing. 
The way the right looks at it, the Islamic Ottoman Empire attempted to take the Holy Roman Empire city of Vienna, but because Europe came together to repel the Muslim hordes, never again did a Muslim empire attempt an invasion of Europe. Now, the reality of the Battle of Vienna is naturally not so simple. No way! <laughs> All of Anders Bravik's writings were a, a, a fucking gradation of a fortune? <laughs> the Muslims just excited to ride the Ferris wheel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the Holy Roman Empire did include Vienna, but the empire itself was not a country in modern terms. Instead, it was a collection of hundreds of territories throughout Central Europe that each had its own ruler, with a single emperor ruling over the large, albeit decentralized, confederation. Mm. Got it? Yeah, right. As a result, only about half a dozen out of the 1,800 territories of the Holy Roman Empire participated in the Battle of Vienna. Although, it must be said that a lot of these territories were tiny estates ruled by imperial knights rather than major kingdoms or duchies. But even so, half a dozen isn't a lot. And the only European powers outside of the empire that joined the Battle of Vienna were Poland and a smattering of other Eastern European territories like Transylvania. Oh, shit, Dracula. Oh, dear. I guess the Muslims can't beat Dracula. I'm going to be so mad if Dracula becomes like a right wing figure. I, I'm going to be really upset. Ah, I do not drink. Jewish wine. <laughs> what? <laughs> Put away the Manischewitz. Dracula's coming. <laughs> well, in other words, while different powers did come together, this was by no means the great gathering of the white race that the extreme right believes it to be. Nevertheless, it has become a potent symbol to the Islamophobic authors that Anders Breivik was consuming on a daily basis. It's just these, the, it's the, they're literally just like, hacky tropes mm -hmm. within the world of right-wing thought. Well, they're looking at it like an action movie. Yeah, you know, sure. They're not, they're, everything is simplified and yet highly convoluted at the same time. Now, around 2009, Brevik spent less time playing World of Warcraft and more time on either a smattering of extremist right-wing websites or badly written self-published books by authors who didn't even have the balls to use their real names. Of course. I find it interesting that they all have to hide something that they're all so supposed to be proud about. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing with the Klan. It's like if they knew they were right, they wouldn't wear the fucking hoods. Yep. But they were safe against COVID. <laughs> and honestly, I think that's one of the nicest things that the Ku Klux Klan could have done for themselves. Well, among the more odious writers was a guy who went by the name Fjordman, real name Peter Jensen. And most of his writing outside of his most popular self-published book, Defeating Arabia, could be found on a hate blog called Gates of Vienna, named after the aforementioned battle. Fjordman was Anders Breivik's favorite writer. Oof, oof, I love this guy. I want to do a meet and greet. But apparently, <laughs> it is a dour meet and greet. <laughs> now, Brevik didn't reach out to Fjordman immediately. Instead, Brevik cut his extremist teeth on the comments section of a far-right website called document.no. There, Brevik found that writing hate-filled conspiracy rants about Islam and the Western media's complicity in its own destruction, that shit got a lot of positive attention. This is where I'll get into my little anti-shit-posting rant. <laughs> We're talking about, like, I did read a very interesting article from George Washington University that was like, you know, I keep seeing this, what seems like a, one of those, like, your children may be in danger. Watch at 11 to find out how. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that style. But... 
I was reading this article that talked about how shit posting really helps the right wing. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Because in my mind, like we were all black pilled 4chan people. Like yeah. we all like in, had the, the, in the very early days of 4chan. Yeah, we were all like we anything that was like the most awful. Like I'd laugh at like, you know, like you're because in your head, you're like, oh, I'm exercising an ironic understanding of horrible things. and But it really does create this amazing smokescreen for actual terrorists and actual like people that are going to go and do fucked up shit inside of these worlds because they have that release valve of like we're just fucking around it's just a joke like we're just doing it it's, it's like a funny thing it's a meme well that's that well that's the things that marshall McLuhan, the guy who coined the term meme the original definition of the word meme is a unit of information and so you get enough units of information that are saying the exact same thing over and over again then again that becomes your reality yeah and the other thing about 4chan is that you know if you it's the old saying is like if you act like an idiot, don't be surprised when idiots show up thinking that they found people of like minds. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. half of these guys are just shit posting from their mom's basement. But the other half of these guys are wishing they could get out of their mom's basement and go kill a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And falling into right wing ideological rabbit holes is actually pretty easy, even when you're not actively searching for it. And it's even easier today than it was back when Brevik was searching the Internet for those said like minds. Yes, because they discovered they can make a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. So now they just let it run unfettered. I myself, for example, innocently mentioned a band that I'd been enjoying at the end of a Side Stories episode a couple of weeks ago. Traitor! <laughs> <laughs> and he said something about a band he liked, and I was like, hey, I'm listening to this other band. It's pretty good. Now, the album, that was just something I was listening to while I was playing with my Legos. It's yeah. something that was on a list of albums to listen to from 2023. I was just going through it, you know, and just having fun. We know about your condition. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm having a grand old time because the album has a fun 90s vibe with a modern twist. I'm bopping along trying to figure out which yeah. pieces go with what. Yeah, where do you put the dead bodies? <laughs> this is from the Titanic. Yeah, this is from the well, set. Yeah, well, actually, I was working on the Lego Lighthouse by this time. Oh, good, good, yeah. good, good, good. So you didn't have a naked Willem Dafoe in it? See, <laughs> so you should have built the Lighthouse before the Titanic. Then yeah, it fucking crash. Do something. Not just sit there idling by. But I'm listening to the album and I'm not really paying attention to the lyrics because they're being sneered they're being screamed like every once in a while you hear like I'm a girl I'm a girl I'm like cool whatever and the Lego lighthouse was using the bulk of my concentration I even thought hey man I'll fucking look it up next time they're in LA I'll go out and see them but lo and behold as soon as I publicly said I liked this band I was informed that they were pretty much the modern 4chan version of Death and June. Death and June were a post-punk turned neo-folk band from the 80s who claimed that the insane amount of Nazi symbolism in their music and imagery, that was just misunderstood. Yeah, oh yes. <laughs> it, it, was, it really was misunderstood. Uh, you know, then, no, it is Nazis. No, because most punks back in the day wore swastikas or named bands after Nazi atrocities, i.e. Joy Division. They were doing it for either shock value or to draw attention to all the horrible shit that happened in the Holocaust that everyone was trying to forget. Well, ironic acceptance of, of horrible imagery. Exactly. Yeah. Death and June, however, were more of the opinion that Nazism was a good idea that went awry with the Nazi purge of officers who weren't loyal enough to Hitler, the Night of the Long Knives. Death in June was so dedicated to this event that their name is a direct reference to the date in which the night occurred. But you'd never be able to tell that just by listening to their music 
until, of course, you really get into it. And if you really get into it, you just might be swayed by that ideology. It's just a slippery slope, kind of. You know, you don't understand that you're just kind of... I did notice that Marcus was zig-hiling like a lot. But I thought... <laughs> Secret hiles? He was... But I thought he was just pointing to where the dishes were. But this band... <laughs> This band that I'm talking about, they're not Nazis. They're kind of updated for the times. This band that I listen to while playing with fucking Legos, super fun, super energetic, fucking sometimes I drive around LA, la la la, fucking great, blasting out my windows. They have a song about the Christchurch shooting, except they're pro-shooting. Ah. And as you may already know, Christchurch was directly inspired by Anders Breivik. That's all to say that this shit is everywhere. And it's extremely easy to twist your ankle in a right-wing hole if you're not being careful out there. It was like last week. I'll I'll issue my correction. As I said the term left-wing fascism, right, which is technically a fallacy. It cannot it cannot exist because fascism is technically a right-wing philosophy. Uh, but I should have used the term authoritarianism. Or sure. lunatic. Are they exact? Are they really, 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 really close? Yes, but. I understand the concept of not getting, if you don't look into the words, this is how right-wing guys operate. Mm. You know what I mean? It wasn't until, because like for a while I did think, I was like, well, what's the big deal about confusing the terms? Until I did get deeper into the manifesto with Anders Breivik and saw the term left-wing fascism and watched that pop up quite a bit because he is trying to equate the terms. Authoritarianism is no better. No. Uh, and it's the same other side of it, but it's it's the... It's it's just this interesting thing of like, it's the terminology. You don't understand you're using the terminology. And then all of a sudden you're put in a position where you're like arguing for some like for semantics. That's like the one issue about like, you know, the left wing side of the of the of the political argument is like a bunch of people inner arguing with each other while then all of a sudden like some right wing dude's gonna come up and shoot you in the back of the fucking head yeah, while yeah. you're all fighting over terminology. But I also get it. I under understand that that's how you slide into something accidentally. Yep. Now, as far as what Breivik wrote in the document.no forums, he took Fjordman's lead and heavily discussed the Eurabia theory that we talked about in the last episode, in which Muslims were on track to replace Europeans with the help of the European elites. The problem with the Eurabia theory is that none of these people can give any plausible reason why the notoriously secular European Union would want to turn their continent into an Islamic caliphate. It doesn't track. No. No. Really, the only theory they can come up with is that the forerunner of the European Union struck a deal in the 1970s with the Middle East to trade oil for refugees. And these supposedly all-powerful European elites have been stuck in their Faustian bargain ever since. It's just, but it, that shows it's just about money. It, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes. Now, after Brave It got popular on the document.no comment section. Such a happening place. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite, you know, it's better than having love. Which is still going, by the way, yeah. and still extraordinarily Islamophobic. Breivik decided to use those comment sections to write an open letter to Fjordman. It read, quote, Fjordman, I've now worked full time for over three years on a solution-oriented work compendium written in English. I have tried to concentrate on areas a little to one side of your main focus. A lot of the information I have gathered is not known to most people. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah. A lot of the information I have 
got a lot of the information I have gathered. <laughs> I tried to do Norwegian, no, and it went to straight to Irish. You sound like a leprechaun. Do Swedish chef. Yeah. Oh, a lot of the information I have gathered is not known to most people, including you. If you email me at gear2083 at gmail.com, I will send an electronic copy when I have finished it. Now, I'd imagine Fjordman wasn't the busiest of bees, because two days later, he sent an email to gear2083 at gmail.com, the meaning of which we'll soon discuss. He wrote, Hello, this is Fjordman. You wanted to get a hold of me? But I feel like it's <laughs> he is so bored. Like, it is yeah. me. It's like, hello, this is Fjordman. I heard that you want to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, excited beyond belief and damn near thunderstruck. <laughs> Anders immediately replied saying that the book was ready, but it would take a few months to, quote, prepare the practicalities for dispatch, whatever the fuck that means. He's got to wrap up the deal memo. Ah. Yeah. Anders then said that he was choosing free distribution of the book to penetrate the censorship of the publishing industry. Exactly. And it seems like as soon as Fjordman heard the word free, his interest dried up and Brevik never heard from him again. Free hate? That's what I deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Undeterred, Anders continued posting on document.no, blaming his former political party's election defeats on the Norwegian media and classifying the Arab Spring protests of 2010 as, quote, Muslim riots. It's just so funny that all of these guys take strategies from people that they so-called are filled with hate for. You know what I mean? That they look at the Arab Spring and they see Twitter, you working for the Arab Spring movement. And then they're like, oh, great. We can use that for hate. We can use that for our shit. Meanwhile, like, but it's it's just weird. Like, you're stealing their tactics, Mm -hmm. but you hate them. Yeah, of course. I'm much more of a fan of Irish Spring. (laughs) He smells like it. (laughs) Well, to that point, Brevik then started spamming the Facebook accounts of cultural conservatives and immigration critics, sending the maximum of 50 friend requests a day to build an email database for when his book was finished. About half of those people said yes to Brevik's request, meaning that there were a lot of conservatives all over the world who were Facebook friends with Anders Brevik on July 22nd, 2011. considering how most people don't purge their friends list on a regular basis, a lot of them probably still are. Go check. <laughs> they didn't kick Bravik off of Facebook? No. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they did. I don't know. At least not until he was, you know, Anders Bravik. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to delete your account? <laughs> it is, I'm trying to save all my pictures of all my favorite flags. And I cannot, I cannot save them. They won't let me. I've got, uh, they still have a fucking horrible Facebook page up and they won't let me get rid of it. Technically, oh. you can download the pictures you put up. So Anders could get all his flags and the <laughs> pictures of him in his uniforms. He yeah. could get those. Yeah. But thankfully, because Anders Breivik was probably never tagged in a photo ever by a friend, he actually won't be missing those. Yeah. That's what's hard to get. Yeah. We should start tagging them in like pictures of like fucking, you know, like vaginas and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. Yuck. I do not trust any being born with a chasm. Well, really, the only people in the right-wing space that Brevik didn't want to associate with were people who had obvious Nazi symbols anywhere on their Facebook page. He didn't want neo-Nazis as friends because apparently they were a bridge too far and way too obvious. It is, it's confusing to me because you read this fucking manifesto. God, I hate this fucking piece of shit. I'm so sick of reading about it. And I, he, it's this weird thing of like, I'm not racist. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not, it's just like, then what are you? 
How did you, why are you killing 77 people though? If you, it's like, if you're obviously, you're not a chef. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not a fucking, you're not in the, 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 the bobsled team for well, Norway. Well, he's one of those people that are like, I'm not a racist. They just don't belong here. It's, yeah, you that's, know? well, that's what that is. Yes. But he also fucking sick hiled in the middle of a courtroom. He did that well, for, again, theatricality. Well, he did that. He actually put a fist up. He did both, didn't he? Well, he did the Zig Heil, I think, recently, but during his original trial, he just did the fist up, you know, which some people say that picture of him with his fist up in the air is the best piece of propaganda that he ever produced because he looks good. Like he, I he, guess. Lo- he no, looks, he doesn't. He's well, got a chin strap beard. The beard is in, gross. In the context of the right wing shitheads that look up to him, they can look at that picture and say, that guy looks badass. Ugh. Their their bar is very low. I know it's true. It's funny. They're like, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Live from your grave. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast: your dog. <coughs> that was your dog saying thank you for bark box. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. But you're gonna learn about bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life, and they love the, They love what BarkBox brings because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met. Of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning 
is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. But when it came to paramilitary organizations, the one that Anders Breivik respected the most had been destroyed hundreds of years before. More than anyone, Anders Breivik idolized the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar! <laughs> I honestly... It's I a love, cool name. I love yeah. the Knights Templar. Yeah. But it is a subject. Well, I you, like the name. Yeah. Well, you love the subject of the Knights Templar. Yes. Yeah. Now, put very... I wouldn't say you like... You shouldn't say you that you love the Knights right Templar. Now. What do you mean? <laughs> Well, it's because well, they like got a bad rap. They're yeah. cute or something. <laughs> oh, you're nice. Are you a Knights Templar? Okay. Can I see your arms? Ooh, ooh wow. So strong from holding your lance. Uh, they are I, They are misunderstood. Are they? Yes. Are they? They were dedicated mostly to protecting pilgrims who were trying to take over the Holy Land and dedicated to slaughtering Muslims. But they were murdered on the whole. They were executed in the name of being Satanists and said they did a better ritual. They did you all these weird crazy them rituals. Because they were because no. they were accused of being Satanists. It's because they had all the money. Yeah. They took all the money and then they got... i just saying I appreciate them. You like them because they're rich Satanists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but before that, they were a bunch of God-fearing shitheads who slaughtered innocents. They were fucking like, wow. They were the thing you hate the most. Nah, man. Dog, not back in the day, man. <laughs> they were killing people in the name of God. But they were also, a lot of them were paid. So a lot of them, were. it was just a job. So Because they're mercenaries, that's cool? Yeah. So yeah. what do you think about Blackwater? They were fine? Man, I want to thank you to our recent uh, sponsor, Blackwater. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it has been an incredible working experience with them. And if you need a private mercenary, you can use the code LASTPOD at blackwater.com. <laughs> now put very simply and briefly, the Knights Templar were a band of warriors who had participated in the Christian Crusades against Muslim lands in the medieval period. The Templars and others like them were seeking to reclaim Jerusalem from Muslim control and expand Christian influence through a holy war against the Muslim infidels. Now there were of course plenty of other people who participated in the Crusades for the treasure, but the Knights Templar, at least at first, swore oaths of poverty, chastity, and obedience to the Lord renouncing all worldly pleasures while they protected pilgrims and slaughtered Muslims. But they had to agree to that to get to go kill people for money. <laughs> <laughs> Within a century, though, the Knights Templar had become a bloated, corrupt, and extremely wealthy organization that developed an early form of modern banking. They created checks and in the process became, in essence, the first evil multinational corporation. So you say evil. I still think that they're... So the way they kind of were was like they were... A very oversimplification of it, in my understanding of it, is that they were kind of like the whacking hut of the Crusades. Okay. Where, like, a part of what they did was that you'd go and they'd kill a bunch of people for you in the Crusades. And then they, what they would do is they'd get all the treasures, all the booty, right, all the loot after killing uh, and killing all these people. And then they 
would be like, so the, the parties they represented, they'd be like, so what we're going to do is we're going to take your precious items and we're going to safely carry them back to the homeland. And then they bring it back. And then you go to show up. You're like, okay, where's all the loot that you guys are going to give me from all the stuff you did? And you're like, here's the thing about it is that um, we kill people on the whole, like real fucking good, right? And we have all your money. So now you're going to have to figure out how to get it back. Uh, and so they were like, a, they were essentially like an armored car service. Yeah. But then eventually when they went to go get it back, they were all like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do the leap from the lion's head and choose wisely. And all yeah. That shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, that's the thing. It was a slow progression because at first they were these, you know, very noble, at least they thought they were noble knights that were protecting pilgrims. And then they, and then they started getting lands because they needed to have like kind of rest stops along the way. Yeah. And then once they got lands, then that's when the treasure started coming through. And then that's when they started holding on to it. And before long, they're a corporation. You know, and they're there to exploit people. Now, by the early 14th century, the king of France was deep in debt to the Templars. So he, along with the Pope, accused the Templars of worshipping Baphomet and licking each other's buttholes and such and such. They probably were licking buttholes. Maybe. But I think that just because of the closeness of men the brotherhood. in the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They I mean, wanted, I feel like, you know, for a while, wasn't there, wasn't there like a concept in ancient history of wanting gay men to be like soldiers because they would fight for your Trojans, lover, right? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. am I yeah. wrong? On no, that? there was no, like they'd an fight ancient... naked together, and then they killed their lover, then they'd fight harder. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? That, yeah, yeah. that's I, cool. That's super cool. Yeah, nothing's like honestly. Like, what's more manly than fucking a dude in the ass? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> truly, you know, having another man go is extremely manly. <laughs> well, before they knew it, the head Templar, Jacques de Molay, was being burned at the stake in the middle of Paris on the king's say-so. And the Knights Templar were soon after disbanded, thereby erasing the French king's debt. It's and about money! The, and that's the end of the Knights Templar. Yeah, okay. but, you know, I just like them because they were viewed as, like, a, a magical group. That yeah. they, 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 you know, they were just mad. They're, they're hitmen. Hit yeah, they're hitmen. Yeah. Now, all the later corruption and dirty dealings are, of course, ignored by the far right, because in their eyes, the Knights Templar are the model of noble Europeans who slaughtered the Muslim hordes because it was God's will. Whatever. Anders Breivik would go on and on about the Knights Templar in his book, but he was by no means the first right-wing extremist to use the Knights Templar as a symbol, nor was he the last. I just think they like the name. The Knights yeah. Templar, and the, well, the imagery is very cool. Yeah. Like, it's very, it's very, when you think of an evil knight, a lot of times you're thinking of a Knights Templar. In the order of the uh, solar temple. Yeah, of course. They were obsessed with the iconography. They yeah. kill any dragons? Uh, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. That was uh, George. It was a guy uh, named George. Yeah. He oh. killed the dragon. Oh, okay. They probably <laughs> killed a couple of fat guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a recent example, the wannabe Nuremberg nerds with the tiki torches at the fucking, you know, at the right rally in Charlottesburg, they showed up with shields bearing the red cross of the Crusades. At that rally and online, they also appropriated a rallying cry from the Crusades, Deus Volt which means God wills it. Deus Volt has, of course, since become an alt-right catchphrase and somewhat of an obscure dog whistle. So sick of these fucking nerds. <laughs> so much cooler shit in the world. Yeah, like, you I know, know what's man. a cooler thing for not-hate group is going, more deep, more <laughs> deep, more deep. <laughs> Dude, Super cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
Further back in the past, the KKK have always referred to themselves as white knights, and they published their own newspaper, not so subtly called The Crusades. And let's never forget that George W. Bush, just after the 9-11 attacks, explicitly referred to the invasion of the Middle East as a crusade, just before plunging us into the forever war. It's like we never learn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came to Anders Breivik and the Knights Templar, he, along with all the others, really only cared about the iconography of the order. And, of course, the broad implications of attaching themselves to an organization that was explicitly dedicated to the righteous slaughter of Muslims. Is there a German word for the intense devotion to uh, what he calls like it's like deep research that's still shallow as fuck? Yeah. Like he does like that is a lot of fucking manifesting. It is yeah. pages and pages and pages and pages of course shit. But you watch it, you were like, I mean, there's an English word for it. It's called cherry picking. I guess that's what be, that's yeah. what it would be. And then you look at the way he writes it, because then you you read it, because in his mind it's all hype, it's all reasonable, and it all makes sense. But it, I'm looking at it immediately, like, oh no, this is a, this is a definite interpretation yeah. of facts that you have twisted into all these non-words, like you know, like cultural Marxism, all these kind of stuff, which is like empty, airheaded bullshit. No, it's cherry picking. It's the same way that uh, a pastor can know the Bible can have the Bible memorized and no shit backwards and forwards, but can still ignore every single thing that Jesus ever said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just weird. Like someone will convince themselves of something and then just search on the internet for days until they finally find one article that proves them kind of right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Now the quote unquote book that Anders Breivik quote unquote wrote is in a word terrible. Very little of the political theory is of his own making, and much of it is plagiarized from right-wing extremists like Fjordman. Tedium is the medium. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Brevik copied and pasted large swaths of Fjordman's works and repeated them multiple times to make sure his point was very clear. But like his hero Fjordman, Brevik was too cowardly to release his book under his own name, instead choosing to use the nom de plume of Andrew Berwick. No, I'm just saying, there it is. (laughs) But throughout the book, Brevik blamed most of the problems facing Europe on the left, using a term still popular with right-wing talking heads like Jordan Peterson. Specifically, Brevik used the term cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is yet another anti-Semitic conspiracy theory claiming that there is a massive academic and intellectual effort to undermine Western society and replace traditional conservatism with liberal values. Yeah, I hate cultural Marxism means like I never learned how to share my toys. Yeah. Well, he also <laughs> uses words. He uses words that mean nothing. Multiculturalism. We we see it now. Alex Jones, globalists, mm-hmm. right? Like this concept of this this uh, this giant conspiracy to destroy all national identities. Yeah. Uh, and uh, first of all, who cares? Yeah. I don't fucking who fucking possibly fucking care. But it's like all of the, the two. The the terms are all like mysterious, mm-hmm. and they all like don't mean what they say that they mean. Like, cultural Marxism makes no sense. You know, like, I know that they kind of, they do sort of, like, in Marxist, like, thought, there is, like, they they want you to have, there is, like, a culture idea in it, Mm -hmm. but not like this. No. Well, cultural Marxism is all an attempt to destabilize Western society for reasons that are unclear and constantly changing. As far as the anti-Semitic angle goes, these ideas allegedly sprouted from an institute for social research called the Frankfurt School, and the intellectuals who created them were allegedly Marxist Jews. 
Basically, cultural Marxism is an umbrella term for anything the far right doesn't like. Yeah. To them, anything that isn't based in traditional Western values and doesn't place the white man at the top of the heap is, in effect, cultural Marxism. They don't even like belly rings. Yeah. <laughs> Kosher hot dogs. Can't, can't <laughs> handle yeah, 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 yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, can't, they don't want to see. To be honest, if they could, they would take Zendaya and they would cut her up into a thousand Dude, pieces. Dude, leave Zendaya <laughs> out of this. I'm saying that this is what they want. This is America's princess. I know. <laughs> we must protect her. Yes. I, we have to find out where she lives. Yeah, let's, let, let's go to her house. I think we need to post in front of her house and protect her. And if she comes out and asks her, what, if she asks us what we're doing, we're saying we're protecting you from the Knights Templar. Yeah. <laughs> Madam Zendaya. Yes, I have my sword. And so I have my protection. axe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And my bow. <laughs> where do you come from? I was in your bathroom. <laughs> Feminism, for example, is a prominent feature of cultural Marxism, as they say. It's the reason why you can't find an, an obedient housewife. That's the reason. But it's also why you can't get a job <laughs> and why you don't do well in school wow. and why you don't feel masculine. Man, it fixes everything. In other words, the theory of cultural Marxism tells you that it's not your fault that you're a fucking loser while also telling you that you're a superior specimen by virtue of being born a white man. It reminds me of the Mandela effect. It's mm, like, yeah. oh, it's an excuse why I'm an idiot. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just remembered wrong. They didn't yeah. know the information. Yeah, paradoxically, though, they aren't quite superior enough to figure out a way to not be a fucking loser. Wait, yeah. yeah, that's curious. Isn't that the weirdest thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead, Anders Breivik and other men of his ilk become focused on simple destruction instead of the hard work that goes into actually creating something and actually making something of yourself. I just want, I'm going to give you a little slice of, of, of what I had to read to kind of understand a little bit more where Anders Breivik comes from. How much did you read of it? I, a couple hundred pages. Wow. Mm. Yes, I does was not a, deserve that. I just pounded through. <laughs> I try. I go in there. I try to walk the walk of some of these pieces of shit. Yeah. And then you'd be surprised what goes in and what comes out. But So he did his own questionnaire of himself, his own personality questionnaire at the bottom of this. And it's he was just like, in it, it was like an interview with the, the head of the Knights Templar, an organization, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. But this is the, his answer to question. But doesn't it worry you that 95% of all Europeans will openly detest you and call you a murderer and a terrorist? Answer. It's human nature to be selfish, to seek admiration, love, and affection. This is why very few people have the self-insight, the ideological and moral confidence and strength to act selflessly on behalf of their own countrymen on their own initiative without a solid hierarchical organization or country supporting and encourage them. And that's why he shot a bunch of teenagers in a park. Cool. Yeah. Now, is there like even like anything close to like humor in it? No. Uh, no. no. Except if you go through his favorite bands. Yeah. <laughs> he does do his he does do his likes and dislikes. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Oh, I can't wait. The cultural Marxists, however, were only a part of the problem. The ones who let the so-called barbarians through the gates. In Brevik's view, the barbarians were the Muslims that were insidiously replacing Europeans simply by outfucking them. In reality, though, while immigrant birth rates are high, that's how immigration has worked in every country forever. It's because fucking's free. <laughs> <laughs> but just like every other instance throughout history, the immigrant birth rate drops heavily with each successive generation and eventually matches the birth rate of their new home. Now, all this bullshit goes on and on and on for a few hundred pages and leads into part two of the book, Europe Burning, in which Brevik copies, pastes, and repeats multiple essays from Fjordman while also complaining that he's been forced to write this book by society. 
This method, however, is the same propaganda technique used by right-wing extremists for decades. By repeating his arguments over and over, Brevik was aiming to inspire others to take up his declaration of war against Muslims. And was evidenced by the 51 Muslim bodies at a mosque in Christchurch, New Zealand, it did work at least once. And that's not even counting all the people who read his shit, believe it, and don't kill anyone. Above every other repetitive phrase, however, was the Thomas Jefferson quote about the tree of liberty being refreshed by the blood of patriots and tyrants. This was the same quote Timothy McVeigh used before murdering 168 people, including 19 tyrannical children in Oklahoma City in 1995. It, he, I hate him so fucking much. I Which one? <laughs> it's just it's all of them. I hate him so fucking much. It's, I don't it, think we've talked about one cool person this entire episode. <laughs> hey, Ahmed. Oh uh, yeah, Ahmed. But, Ahmed. But we only talked about him last episode. We haven't talked about him. This we're about to talk about him right now. Ahmed seemed fine, uh, but it's this the ideological part of the book is where he fucks up mm-hmm. because I think like truly this is, may sound like a bit, but if you really wanted to be effective, you would have been making memes because memes are a way to kind of catch people. It's bait. Well, this is before memes really became mainstream. It was like 2010. He's doing this around 2009, 2010. It's not quite there yet. It's not quite there yet, but, you know, still, like, he could have been at the top. Mm -hmm. If he did Pepe... We be there'd be like nine of these. I yeah. honestly feel so vindicated for hating memes my entire life yes. right now. <laughs> Wait, do you see what emojis do? <laughs> the third part of Brevik's book, though, what everything was leading up to was his bloody, severe manifesto. Made entirely of his own writing, Brevik described exactly who he was gonna kill and how he was gonna do it. He wrote that he was going to perpetrate a bombing followed by a mass shooting, with the targets being not Muslims, but Norwegian journalists and cultural Marxists, i.e. a bunch of white people. These people, he said, were being charged with complicity in the cultural genocide of the native inhabitants of Europe by allowing a Muslim invasion. And punishment of these so-called traitors would depend on a ranking system that Brevik designed himself. Why do they all have a ranking system? (laughs) It's these fucking nerds! Because they have no no clue of subtlety. They don't know. Everything's black and white to them. Everything's black and white. Everything can fit into a category. That way they don't have to use any of their critical thinking skills. It's also a kind of match is a little bit like the concept of like racial sciences mm-hmm. where like if you put it in all these kind of brackets and graphs and data and statistics it looks like it's official mm-hmm. yeah do you think he didn't go after muslims because he was like actually kind of scared of them yeah 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 absolutely but he also but you I mean, want to go after a bunch of unsuspecting people yeah, yeah. He, he went after kids yeah yeah Well, Class A traitors were leaders of political parties, unions, cultural institutions, and the media. Their sentence was death. Class B traitors were the less important cultural Marxists, also sentenced to death. The comedians! (laughs) (laughs) Class Bs, those were the teenagers and young adults he would slaughter on Utoya Island. Class C, however, would be those who aided and abetted those in classes A and B. Those people would receive prison sentences and fines unless they capitulated before the deadline, January 1st. 2020. COVID. (laughs) How did he know? Oh my God. The Knights Templar. Secrets of the Knights Templar. (laughs) 
That date, Brevik imagined in his fantasy world, would be the date when the mass deportations of Muslims would begin, unless they converted to Christianity, got baptized with a Christian name, and never spoke their native languages or celebrated their native culture ever again. And that's where Anders Brevik said the Nazis went wrong, is because what in, in the manifesto, he said that the Nazis had a really big grand plan of deportation, and they were going to do mass deportations. But we, as the avenging allied powers, we didn't allow them to to leave. We ah. we we see we were too busy fighting them. I've and, heard that argument before. And they so there was nowhere for the refugees to go. And then the Nazis, their hands were tied, ah. and so they had to kill everybody because. It, but what they all they wanted to do was ship them out, which is I, I don't think it was real. Yeah. Now Brevik imagined that his attack on Norway would kick off a civil war in which autonomously functioning secret cells would perpetrate shock attacks. These secret cells would be who else but the new Knights Templar. Whoa! New formula. Same great text. <laughs> this civil war would go until the year 2030, which is when phase two would begin. From 2030 to 2070, the Knights Templar would begin collaborating on more advanced tactics to prepare for the final coups of all the governments in Europe. All of them. Phase three, after the coups, would feature the executions of Class A and Class B traitors, which is not coincidentally also the endgame of QAnon. All this shit touches tips. But in Brevik's war, these executions would go on for 13 years until the year 2083, which gave him the name of his book, 2083, A European Declaration of Independence. From 2083 on, there would be peace and the revolutionary brigades of cultural conservatives could finally build the ideal society, which sounds like a fucking nightmare. As it always does. I love killing people in the name of peace. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing he constantly says, which is, it feels, I don't know if that's always a right-wing thing. Like, if it's always this concept of, you're, like, we are saying the crimes that we're doing out loud, that we are the guys we are we we said it in a text exchange before. It's like it's hard that when you have to keep telling everybody you're a good guy, yeah. Because like most of the time means you're a bad guy. Almost always when you're when you're saying like we're the good guys, that means you're the bad guy. Yeah, always. and it's, it's he's he's wrong. You should the lone actors in digital environments is this paper I read, which has a lot of this stuff in there. But I also find it because often I'm a lone actor mm. in the digital environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about your uh, failed Zoom auditions. <laughs> you understand each opportunity to get in a room I'm thankful for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it's digital. I get you're not, yeah, you're not in a room. <laughs> I'm in my room. Yeah. Zoom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Anders Brevik's society, actual factories of surrogate mothers would be set up in countries where rent was cheap, and unsuitable parents would lose their children to patriots who would raise them correctly. This is almost exactly like the Nazis' Liebensborn breeding program, down to the requirement of producing at least 10 blonde-haired, blue-eyed children. A couple of members of ABBA are uh, a result of the Liebensborn experiments. Yeah. yeah, well, they're very attractive. <laughs> Super talented. <laughs> you know, it's it's the same shit though because he then called Nazism a an effect of left wing politics, which is what they do. Where it's like it's the same shit. Well, oh, that was exactly what that band Death and June were saying. Is that yeah. you know, like before the Night of the Long Knives, there were some pretty good SA officers that were really into some left wing stuff that was pretty that was pretty good. Yeah. It was like. Fucking Christ, man. Listen, just like Hitler, though, he doesn't have blonde hair. Yeah. No, he does. Anders Brevik does. I thought it was more like uh, it's, brown. It's Sandy, it's Sandy blonde. Yeah. 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 It's blonde uh, enough. Blonde I guess. enough. Yeah. Shit fuck brown is what <laughs> I call what it. That's what I have. Yes. 
Well, in Brevik's world, society would be chaste and sexual abstinence would be the norm. Lame. Divorce would be penalized and fathers would be the defaults for custody of children. I say only women should have the children and divorces should be mandatory. (laughs) Yeah, and how are you going to have more kids if you're not fucking? Well, that's the thing is that all of the kids are produced by the factories that are probably in like fucking Slovenia or something. Oh, okay. Well, all of this, of course, the fucking chaste society, the sexual abstinence, fathers having default custody of children. This just sounds like Brevik's own fantasies for what he wished would have happened when he was a child, even though his father fucking despised him. Finally, though, when it came to his new society, every country would have its own version of Las Vegas, where they would be free sex, free marijuana, and uninhibited partying for those incapable of containing themselves. You can't well, be all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, the <laughs> marijuana in Vegas is definitely not free. No, <laughs> it, it is very expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, expensive. this, Brevik said, was where the liberals and apolitical types could live. Bookstores and brothels, in other words. Oh, okay. Sounds fun. That's yeah. My, yeah, that's a fun Airbnb. Bookstores and yeah. brothels? Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Get your dick sucked? <laughs> or reading a comic book? <laughs> <laughs> Now, anyone who joined the conservative side would automatically become a part of the Brotherhood, but Anders assigned himself the highest rank, that of Justicius Knight Commander. Fucking, I got it. Just fucking, this big fucking granny panty piece of shit. <laughs> what does Justivius mean? Justicius. Justicius. That is- means he's a just, he's a, a judge. Oh, he, okay. he is a very Justicius. Justicius. Yeah. I'm so worried. Come on. Justicius, welcome. Justicius. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally not a word. No, justicious is a word. I, I looked it up. It's like, uh, or maybe I'm. It's sm- judicious is the word. No, no, no. It's just a sissius. That's what it is. Just a sissius. Just a sissy. Yeah. Oh, that's him. <laughs> just a sissius. Oh, damn. My, oh, man. My computer worry. doesn't want to say it. I'm looking yeah. at it. He's just sissius. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Am I concentrating on the wrong part of the story here? Might, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> not just delicious, just a serious. Yeah, it's not a word. Just a serious is the word. No, he made up a new word for himself. But yes. what he's playing uh, off of is just a serious. Just a serious means judge or justice. It's another one of those like fucking old English medieval terms. Lame. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, additionally, he also formulated the enrollment rituals for new members, which is pretty much stolen from Freemasonry. All one needed was a darkened room, a large stone as an altar, a candle, a skull, or replica skull if no real skull was available, and a sword. New members would then recite a passage from Brevik's manifesto, and boom, the conservative army's got a new knight. And always instead of am- amen, remember, you have to end with no homo. <laughs> 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 like the KKK, Brevik also came up with neat names for his knights. There was the Distinguished Destroyer of Cultural Marxism, Distinguished Saboteur Master. Not a single mustache in the group. Mm-mm. It's all chin beards. Yep. And he would also give out awards for intellectual excellence and dole out uniforms based on Freemason and military designs of Brevik's own making. This is where I see the internet person in him, where he made fun of Freemasonry openly. After he went through his process and he did his initiation right, he thought it was super lame and he told everyone it was lame and it was boring and he didn't want to go and it was a waste of his time. But then you see, oh no, he actually was obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't, but because it was hard and it was uh, not necessary, you don't just show up, you have to go to meetings, you got to do all this fucking horse shit. Like, he, you know. 
that's lame. But then he, it's, it's just funny that he then takes the stuff that he finds lame otherwise, but he's a massive fan of it. Mm-hmm. But while much of the manifesto is goofy and easy to mock, something that Anders himself foresaw, a large part of it is deadly serious. It gives instructions to would-be knights on how to maximize death and destruction, instructions that Brevik himself would later put to practice to great effect. He wrote about how to purchase the guns you need, how to send anthrax by the mail, and how to use chemical weapons. Chillingly, he outlines the exact plan he would use on July 22, 2011, writing that one needed to make a loud sound in the east, then strike in the west, all while wearing a disguise. And indeed, on that day, Anders would use a bomb to distract authorities and cause chaos while he committed his mass shooting miles away, dressed as a police officer. I feel that this is like, the ultimate expression of this lone wolf terrorism idea that has been floated. Cause like it was Lewis beam talked about it. Uh, he was a, a, a white supremacist to so like the idea of leadership terrorism, you know, and then the, everybody else like ISIS was like super into this idea of what I think they call it the term sarcastic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Idea of more of that, the idea of like you flood the market with a bunch of stuff that kind of like hints that it would be cool if you could do these types of things. Yeah. It'd be and, nice if somebody killed a bunch of Democrats, that yeah. sort of thing. Well, a point Brevik emphasized though, was the need for everyone to write and post a manifesto before committing a terroristic act, giving each and every reason why you did so. This should be paired with good photos that should be kept on your person for easy distribution, so the media won't choose to release photos that make you look stupid. Ironically, though, the photos Brevik chose for himself made him look dumber than any the media could have chosen. Because there's <laughs> nothing like a doughy fuck in a military uniform acting like he's legit. Like, that is this yeah. one of the saddest things of the manifesto. Mm-hmm. If you were to die a martyr, though, Brevik recommended that you also design your headstone ahead of time, making sure to include a lot of angels, pillars, arrows, birds, lions, skeletons, snakes, crowns, skulls, leaves, and or branches. This is the kind of guy who just loves character creation, but hates the game. <laughs> it's it's really weird. It's like he's talking about fashion. He's talking about, like, yeah. he's like designing like tombstones. Yeah. It's like all things that he like. It just seems like very flamboyant. Yeah. It does. <laughs> and I find it. He tried to get involved in a bunch of hate groups, and then when he shows up with this whole plan, it's like. It's kind of like when you pitch a show in television and they want you. And my way I started was like, oh, you got to show up with a show Bible and drawings and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, but all of the stuff I've actively like moved ahead was like a funny random thing I said at a meeting. And they're like, that's the thing you got to do where it's like if you show up sometimes too prepared, especially one of these establishments, they don't want you to change the DNA of the organization. No. Yeah. Live from your grave. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! 
Hi, Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of chai, and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. 
Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Well, finally, if you decide to become a martyr, be sure to treat yourself beforehand. It's a lot like the 9-11 terrorists did in the week leading up to their attack on the World Trade Center. Like, 9-7 was awesome. 9-7 was like 9-11 was horrible, but if you were with those guys on 9-7 in Florida at the strip club, that would have been a fucking blast. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brevik, for example, bought himself three extraordinarily nice bottles of wine as a little treat before carrying out his attacks. But unable to go too long without making a total fool of himself, Brevik also included instructions on how to avoid exposure before your plan came to fruition. He wrote that one needed to tell your peers something embarrassing, like you're addicted to World of Warcraft or you're gay. Hypothetical things that didn't apply to him. Like just hey, a super crazy stuff out of the thin air. Yeah. Brevik himself used both of these tactics, but he found the second method, the coming out gambit, to be hilarious. Yeah. He said it was hilarious because he made sure to say in his manifesto that he was most definitely, absolutely, without, without a, doubt, a doubt, no questions None asked, asked, 100% hetero. Hetero dude. Yeah. Dude, he's so a much fucking... that he doesn't want to be around women ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't believe in premarital sex. And he, yeah, he thinks that women should be dressed in like sacks. Yeah, and, let's yeah, make yeah. a society where no one has to have sex with women ever again. They, they, yeah, because, yeah. And they only have to because the state is making them. Yeah. And then because then he would be forced to. Yeah. yeah. Heterosexual people tend to like women. <laughs> In my experience. In my not experience. Not all. Not there, all. Are pl- there are plenty of heterosexual men who fucking despise women, but you know, not a lot of them think that women are icky. But a lot of it times seems like think, he th- it seems like Anders Breivik thinks that women are very icky. He is. He is. A, that's why I made a comment last episode about like he might be gay. Yeah. But then I do understand why. Like obviously, being gay is not like a part of his crimes, and it doesn't no. mean anything necessarily. I'm just saying it because I hope in some way he hears this <laughs> and that he gets, because I know he's going to be really, really mad about it because yeah. he yeah. takes himself very, very seriously. Is this show available on PlayStation? I mean, it's available <laughs> in Norway and he has full internet capabilities. Yeah. He literally can. Someone send this to him. Yeah. Please, yeah. if someone could send this to Anders Brevik, that'd be great. I think it's his emails like uh, andyb <laughs> at hotmail.com now. And if you're listening, I want to lick your ass. Let him just suck your <laughs> dick. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if he fucks you, you're not going to be filled with hate anymore. You're going to be filled with common love. <laughs> but speaking of personal traits, Brevik ended the manifesto with a small, self-serving biography in the form of a conversation with himself called Interview with a Justicier Knight Commander of the PCCTS Knights Templar. It's extremely so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. This interview with himself begins with his own version of his family history, in which he obsessively talks about the sex lives of each of his family members. This included his sister's alleged chlamydia infection, his stepfather's proclivity for Thai sex workers, and his mother's herpes infection. This was paired with estimates for how many sexual partners each family member had, ranging from 40 to 500. As far as his stepfather went, even though he'd given Brevik's mother genital herpes, Brevik thought he was, quote, a very likable and good guy, if a primitive sexual beast. He, it's fascinating because he changes his childhood. He adds all, like, and it's the way he views Jens or Jens. I forgot how he pronounces it, but Jens. like his stepfather, like the one that he always wanted to be with. Or his father. That is his yeah, biological yeah, father. Yeah, Jens is his father. He yeah. wanted to be Jens. Jens wanted to be he wanted to be with Jens. And he was so 
in there. That's like though I didn't, I never feel sympathy for him, but his like delusional version of his past about how like his mom wouldn't let his dad be with him and how his dad would have chosen him. Like they had some disagreements back in the day, but it was like mostly kind of talking about how he was this great man. Meanwhile, like his father fucking despised him. Hated. His father um, publicly said that he wished he killed himself. Yes. <laughs> but in his manifesto, he rewrites it in this like fantasy world that like, you know, like all of these things that kept them from being together and maybe they could have been together if they, you know, like, and it's, there was like one moment of being like, you sad little orphan. Mm-hmm. Moving through his history, Brevik backtracked his childhood friendship with Muslim immigrants, specifically his time with Ahmed. Brevik made wild claims, writing that Ahmed had participated in a gang rape in a park and had cheered every time a Scud missile was fired at the Americans during the first Gulf War. Weird shit. To explain why Brevik was friends with so many immigrant kids when he was younger, he claimed that he only made alliances to avoid being robbed and beaten. This, Brevik wrote, is why he knew that Muslims were dangerous, because he spent time in their inner circles. He's a little fucking traitor. And these guys were all, because those are the only people that accepted him, The too. only people that ever were nice to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He then also, he bragged about his hip-hop connections. Because mm-hmm. he goes into this long bullshit thing about, like, dealing with Muslim gangs and, like, all this, like, crazy gang writing. And it was like, you did none of this. Uh, but this is the question. Violent Muslim gangs in European cities are not exactly a new phenomenon. We hear about indigenous European youths getting harassed, beaten, raped, and robbed quite often. Tell us about your experiences during your vulnerable years, 1418, growing up in the urban multicultural streets of Oslo. You know how fucking multicultural those streets are. (laughs) Answer. Since I was 12 years old, I was into the hip-hop movement. For several years, I was one of the most notable hip-hoppers from Oslo's west side. It was a lot easier to gain respect and credibility in Oslo West because of the demographic factors. Oslo West was the privileged and predominantly native side of Oslo with very few immigrants in contrast to the east side, which was less peaceful. Graffiti and breakdance was an important part of our life at that time. It's just like, you didn't do jack shit. uh, I was the most active tagger, graffiti artist in Oslo, as several people in the old school hip hop community can attest to. Our standard graffiti raid consisted of going out at night in groups of two to three with our backpacks full of spray cans. We took our bikes and we bombed city blocks with our tags. And if you wanted girls and respect and was all about the hip hop community at the time, and the more reckless you were, the more respect and admiration you gained. And he was just talking about how everybody comes. He was the, everybody loved him. Yeah. He no, literally no. was East Side, West Side in yeah. his manifesto. <laughs> in Oslo. <laughs> yeah, he didn't talk about Morg Squeal, did he? Oh, he well, he talked about how Morg, like how popular Morg was. But he didn't and talk everyone, about him fucking ratting on all of his friends absolutely twice. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. He blames the state. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, concerning Brevik's tagging days, I did discover an interesting addendum this week. Apparently, Brevik would plan his graffiti bombing raids with the precision of a general, looking at them like military operations. This, of course, would be the same way Brevik would plan his attack on July 22nd, 2011. And it's all because no one asked him to do this. No. So he showed up with all these big, crazy plans and they're all like, Anders, this is fucking dumb. Yeah. We hate this. Yeah, this is awful. You're taking all the fun out of it. You also just got here. Mm -hmm. You're acting like you're a toy, acting like a king. 
But to top off his 1,500-page manifesto, Brevik aped the profile format of celebrity magazines. He named his interests like snowboarding, fitness, bodybuilding, running, and women's beach volleyball. He liked women's beach volleyball. <laughs> he never, he didn't even watch Top Gun. He hated men's beach volleyball so much. Yeah, that's how 100% hetero I am. I watch ladies' volleyball, and I love when they get covered in sand. <laughs> when he asked him Himself, to describe himself in five words, he wrote that he was pragmatic, ambitious, creative, hardworking, and optimistic. Yeah, he's super optimistic. Six words, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now remember, the entire time that Anders is writing all this, he was living in the spare room at his mom's duplex. And since he'd isolated himself from whatever friends he'd made in his 20s, the only person he spoke to face-to-face was his mother. Also, one of the, one of the other truly saddest things was the fact that he kept writing as if the Knights Templar was real. And that that his group was like, he met with the secret guys that trained him and that he went and they were like, they had to check his, his, they had to like do a background check on him, see if he was legit. And he went to all these like recruiting areas when he was like 15 years old. And it's not real. None of it's real, yeah. Reportedly, he go on and on about his manifesto and the upcoming civil war and conversations with his mother, although he made sure to leave any mentions of violence out of these conversations. Nevertheless, he began having extreme mood swings because he started taking steroids. That did make him violent, in addition to being surly and distant. In those last couple of years in his mother's duplex, Brevik would demand that all his meals be brought to his fart room, and he'd leave his dishes outside the door when he was done so his mother could clean up after him. When he did leave the fart room, he'd sometimes cover his face so his mother wouldn't look at him. But other times, he'd prance around the house wearing his military man costume, his Knights Templar cosplay, or his special op suit, all of which he'd designed himself. Where did he get the steroids if he has no friends? Well, he does have acquaintances, and he did have friends all throughout his 20s. I mean, that's the thing. The Progress Party, he was friends with those people, with with the right-wing, you know, the far right-wing party. Like, he he knew people. I would still go as far as to say they stood, they standed him. They they allowed him to exist amongst them. I don't know, man, because I read plenty of, like, I, I I read plenty of testimonies where people would say, like, we tried getting him out. Like, we tried having, like, we tried getting this guy out of his room into the real world and he just refused. He just retreated further and further into the internet. But you know what I would tell Anders Breivik? To have a friend, you need to be a friend. That's right. And so you need to show up for people. That's right. Weirdly, though, at times Brevik would suddenly become very intimate with his mother by following her around the apartment or sitting too close to her on the couch. Living that dog life. (laughs) I love to lick. I love my cuddles and scratches, mommy. Most inappropriately, when his mother broke up with her boyfriend, Anders bought her a vibrator, then asked her again and again if she'd used it yet. Mommy, are you using baby's fuck machine? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He knew she had used it. I have heard the keyhole. I have noticed that you have not used the, the, the pussy annihilator. No, I do not you want, do you not want your pussy to be fucking annihilated, mommy? <laughs> mommy, I know your pussy. I was inside of it and I know it needs a shellacking. <laughs> I bought you the rabbit. It's the most popular one on Sex in the City. It hits the clitoris and the gooch. 
But once Anders decided that it was time to begin planning for his ultimate assault, he did so with terrifying patience and a meticulous eye for detail. In May of 2009, a full two years before his murder spree, Anders incorporated a small business called Brevik Geofarm. See, Brevik knew that he wanted to build a bomb, a massive bomb, something comparable to what Timothy McVeigh set off in Oklahoma City. But he knew that something of that size, using all the chemicals you needed to use to build one, could not be constructed in the fart room. His idea was that he could use Brevik Geofarm as a cover to rent a secluded piece of farmland, claiming that he planned to grow sugar beets. This would also give him license to purchase large amounts of fertilizer for his bomb. Knew that was coming. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so, after almost a year of earnest searching, Brevik finally found a rundown farm a couple hundred miles north of Oslo. He rented that farm from a guy who'd just gone to prison for operating a hash plantation. This arrangement was even better than Brevik could have planned because it meant that nobody was going to check up on what he was doing. His mother was also proud that her son was finally doing something with his life, and she was so relieved that he was leaving the duplex that she didn't ask questions either. Yeah, because yeah. he was a nightmare to be around. Finally, I could masturbate in peace. <laughs> be like, you know, my son has excellent taste in vibrators. Um, but she'd ask, she'd tell her friends, because they'd all ask, what does Anders do? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, first it was like, he lo- he's writing his book and he is very engaged in it. You know, he is too busy writing his book. But then finally, when he left, it was this weird, I feel like she was like aloof medically. I don't know what that term is, but mm-hmm. there was something about her just being like, Anders is on the farm now. He's a farmer. He, he always wanted to be one, like saying like weird shit about like him just going off and farming for no reason. Well, she was also also extraordinarily self-absorbed. Yes. Yeah. She just, yeah, her head was up her ass. Yeah. And like people with troubled children, like once they show any kind of initiative and in bettering their life, I bet they're just so excited. Yeah. That they're yeah. just ready to believe anything. Well, especially you're out of my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that move was still a ways away. Beginning in October of 2010, Brevik began preparing for the assault with an increased bodybuilding regimen and more anabolic steroids. He also picked World of Warcraft back up when a new expansion pack came out, play, and he played it so he could, quote, get his courage up. Just imagining him in a shitty fucking little made-up military uniform playing World of Warcraft in his fart room makes me want to stick his head in a fucking toilet. I know. And that has to be, that's what gets his nut up, mm-hmm. is wow. He also bought tons of protein powder and muscle milk to strengthen his liver and mitigate the damage the steroids were doing to his body. And he combined classes at the Oslo Pistol Club with marathon sessions of Call of Duty Modern Warfare to improve his aim. He straight up said in the manifesto, he gave a big plug to Call of Duty. And he was, yeah, if you want to be a lone wolf terrorist, he's like, Call of Duty really helps you dial in your your aiming speed. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like the worst fucking troll of Nor- Norwegian history. <laughs> of, of almost world history. He also began ordering elements from the bomb from multiple countries to avoid suspicion. He almost did too much. Yeah, and he also used YouTube videos as instructional aids on how to build the bomb. But in between building the bomb, Brevik continued the narcissistic documentation of his journey, his struggle, if you will, <laughs> by editing a quote-unquote film that advertised his plans and his manifesto. Long, boring, and pointless, Brevik reportedly cried when this so-called film was shown in open court during his trial. 
But after he had enough materials to begin constructing the bomb, Anders moved to his farm on April 5th, 2011, three months before his attack on Norway. Over the coming months, Brevik would work day and night on his bomb, breaking only to eat at local restaurants and to marathon episodes of True Blood, Rome, Dexter, and The Shield of all shows. The Shield was his favorite show. He loved The Shield. Really? Yeah. yeah. Was it Michael Chiklis? Yeah, the commish. Yeah. Was, was that Shield or the, Michael Chiklis? Was he NYPD Blue? No. No! <laughs> That's uh, the, uh, the France. Dennis France. Oh. I did like Rome. I will say oh, that. Rome it's was fine. incredible. Yeah. Rome, honestly, when I'm building my bomb, that is really kind of what I go to distract myself because I can't just be work, work, work all day long. Yeah. yeah. You just, the FBI is coming to your house now. No, 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 no. It's full of food. If they haven't come by now, they ain't coming. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, 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 yeah. just yeah. fucking take the computer. Yeah, feed them. <laughs> Brevik, however, didn't take to farm life all that well because if you've ever lived in the country, you know that you're going to have to deal with a lot of bugs and a lot of spiders. One night, Brevik admitted that he found a spider in his chocolate Ooh! and he screamed like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and he thereafter killed every insect he found because there are spiders in my gloves. There's spiders in here. <laughs> True terrorists of the insect world. Now, eventually, Brevik got a hold of six tons of fertilizer, although he made sure to only order three tons of the detonatable variety so as to not arouse suspicion. As far as how he paid for all of this, Brevik maxed out every credit card that approved him. Now, the work was difficult, granular, and full of frustrations. So by the end of May, he decided that he would settle for a bomb that was half the size of what he had originally planned, which is a fucking godsend because the bomb he did build did enough damage on its own. Yeah. But in June, a very Anders Brevik-type tragedy struck. That month, a thunderstorm caused a power surge and his PC got fried. And it was this that caused Anders to pray to God for the first time in years. This is what he wrote in his logbook about the experience. Dear God, it's me, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> I explained to God that unless he wanted the Marxist Islamic alliance and a certain Islamic takeover of Europe to completely annihilate European Christendom within the next 100 years, he must ensure that the warriors fighting for the preservation of the European Christendom prevail. He must ensure that I succeed with my mission and as such, contribute to inspire thousands of other revolutionary conservative nationalists, anti-communists, and anti-Islamists throughout the European world. Thanks, God. Yours in hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his big fucking, his big setback, his big struggle was that his, he couldn't play World of Warcraft anymore. Couldn't watch True Blood anymore. He couldn't get his fucking blood up without seeing the incredible body of, what's, what's her name, Anna? Uh, Paquan? Yeah, she's hot. Yeah. Uh, I guess he also needed uh, the internet for, you know, his bomb instructions and such. But I think World of Warcraft was the biggest loss for him. I, I do, yes. Yeah. It must have been. And, yeah, losing Michael Chiklis at this point? <laughs> <laughs> at this point, that fucking big pointy head? That yeah, was, that was without? A, I mean, if you're talking about a fucking a great example of the white race, that fucking pointy head of Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis, have you seen his butt? No, no that was Dennis Franz. I mean, either way. <laughs> it's the same butt. That is a cop's butt. That is a man's butt. His well, head kind of looks like a butt. It, do, it, it does. Well, his head looks, I mean, it's very much a penis. It's a half you, a you butt. Just, you just put that one Little, slit down yeah. the middle, and that's going to be a big cock. Both of them, by the way. Yeah. Also, though, but if Michael Chiklis does want to come by the show, we're, you know, 
I don't think you look like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look like a strong cock. Isn't that you cool? Know, like, That's cool. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, you're like a throbbing cock of yeah. a man, Michael Chiklis. You look like Leto the- too, the god emperor of Dune. Yeah. <laughs> well, predictably, God did not answer Brevik's prayers. Fuck you, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> and the PC did not miraculously spring back to life. But nevertheless, Anders continued his work and he set off his first test bomb two days later, a few miles away from his farm. It cannot be overstated how hard he worked on the bomb. Like yeah. that is also. I mean, I'm skipping over quite. I mean, it's there's it's in the book. There's so much technical talk about how exactly he made these bombs. Like he used blenders. He crushed up aspirin. Like, I mean, he really did. Like he worked for, th- I mean, he was on that farm for three months. Oh, well, I guess 70 days. But yeah. he worked up until that point, amassing all of the stuff. And then mm-hmm. it took three, it took two and a half months. And learning how to do it and yes. shit. Mm-hmm. And doing all that kind of shit. Yeah. It's like, it's always like the people you don't want to work hard do. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you could, well, you he could just, have worked hard on anything else. There were so many ways that he could have used this initiative. Anything so many, else. So many different avenues. You could have been could a have competitive used. World of Warcraft player there, and have made money. I don't think they do competitive World of Warcraft. They absolutely do. For money? Oh, yeah. Anything that can be played. Now, is this going to be, you think if the computer doesn't crash, he just plays World of Warcraft forever and never does any of this shit? Uh, maybe. Or maybe he, oh God. Just do we met, blame the weather? If he met the correct man that hmm. just could have kissed him the correct way. God, God, who knows? He could have been a fashion designer. This could have been Jens could have done that for us. What do you know? Yeah, the best. Oh yeah, of, yeah. Twenty twenty four Arena World Championship. It's big money. Wow, they compete for their share of nine hundred thousand dollars. That's all in total prize. He literally the year. was good enough at it. That was like the one thing he could have done. I don't know if he was that good though. I got a feeling he was a grinder. Like I, I said last episode, he just ground and ground and ground until he was overpowered enough. Can I ask, is there an inherent skill in World of Warcraft that you would need to have? Strategy. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're the head of a guild, then like you really do got to know. You He did know strategy. And that's the thing about it is that he used that strategy to commit his fucking horrible crime. So yeah, Ban was, these games! <laughs> yeah, the game should be banned! No, is that's it the like, thing. He did, he did have an incredible mind. for. I mean, at the end of the day, he did have an incredible mind for strategy, which could have been used for anything else. Honestly, we could use it for our marketing team. That'd be nice. <laughs> now, on July 2nd, Brevik's mother, Vinka, visited the farm, but all Brevik did was complain that he was an ugly boy, so he needed more cosmetic surgery. He needed veneers for his teeth. I'm so ugly, mama. He then drove her home, and they shared a cigarette Finally, on the Finally, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, can you imagine just sharing a cigarette with your mom like that? Like you just had sex with a sex worker, and, ah. you, and you're both, you know, you're both French, and you're, just, <laughs> and you're just like sucking on either end. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Well, on that balcony, he demonstrated just how fragile his masculinity really was when he told his mother, don't stand too close to me. People are going to think I'm mentally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> no, they're they're in the city. They're back in Oslo. Uh, yeah, yeah. He didn't place. want his mom. Oh, yeah, because like you you lived in Greenpoint. You know. Mm-hmm. You know the, the example of I'm talking about. It's always like a 90-year-old woman with a cart going like and then she has some like weird homunculus man oh, like yeah. next to her going like, you want me? You want me help, mama? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. style, like that's very, I could, I could see Anders filling that role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They keep them dumb so they never leave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, or they just stay dumb and they just love life. Yeah. But speaking of being at least socially challenged, Brevik reportedly got into an altercation with a well-meaning Norwegian less than two weeks before his killing spree. 
While on a train to Oslo, Anders started talking to a guy next to him about the Eurabia theory. This poor man responded politely with reason and actual facts, but Anders quickly lost his patience and began screaming on the crowded train that this guy was a communist. And you're like, uh, yeah, it's Norway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I'm a car-carrying member of I, the Communist Party. Yeah, 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 I do not feel that That's it why, is wrong. I vote communist in every election. <laughs> <laughs> When they arrived in Oslo, however, Anders gave the man his email address and phone number so he could help him, quote-unquote, learn the truth. Incredibly, the man actually felt like he could help Anders, and he did try calling the phone number, but since Anders had such terrible handwriting, the Good Samaritan wasn't able to reach him and promptly gave up. So you're saying that calligraphy could have fixed all this? <laughs> I mean, he was too he was probably too far gone at this point. Yeah, but, I don't, yeah, I don't but, think a, a fun quill is going to get him back in the game. screaming at someone for like 10 minutes and be like, take my phone number. Now you will have my I want to shake your hand. I, I want to shake, shake your hand. hand. <laughs> <laughs> now, over his last 20 days on the farm, Anders put the finishing touches on his bomb, although he discovered way too late that he should have been wearing protective gear the entire time because he was working with so many caustic chemicals. All I hope is that he gets riddled with cancer soon. He will. Eventually, I think at a young age, you will absolutely be riddled with cancer. Great. He also rented a van to transport the bomb and decided upon his murder weapons, a rifle, a shotgun, a pistol, and 3,000 rounds of ammunition. Fuck. Yeah. Then on July 21st, the day before the spree, Anders left the farm in the van carrying the bomb and parked it at a garden center in Oslo. Now, ideally, Anders wanted to capture a former Norwegian prime minister named Gro Harlem Brundtland and make her read part of his manifesto live on television. He would then make her beg for her life before beheading her on camera. This plan, however, proved to be too complicated. It's quite a bit of moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> so Brevik decided that the next best thing would be to set off a bomb around the time that the former prime minister was going to give a speech. And that would kill her. Then, while authorities were distracted by the bomb and the dead prime minister, Brevik would calmly travel to what he believed to be a hive of cultural Marxists, a summer camp for politically active left-wing youths. Didn't grow Brundtland, wasn't that the person that was in charge when he was a kid yeah. and he blamed Grow. Yeah. That was like a part of it. It's like he, he, blamed, he had a personal vendetta against Grow. He's he saying that he, he she fucked up his neighborhood essentially, like mm -hmm. made it so that they did, couldn't get benefits or some, some horse shit. She had like, th I mean, she served three terms throughout like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So yeah, she was very much the primate. She was like, you know, Clinton was the president of our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. He was, she was his Clinton. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, My president was Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this? Well, at this summer camp, he would commit what was, at the time, the world's deadliest killing spree. And that's where we'll pick back up for the conclusion to our series on Anders Breivik. Yay! It's going to get rough next week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we'll yeah. just say this ahead of time, that next week's going to be full gold star. We're going to be going through a lot of details, talking about how this all went down. And it's still just sad that this is the result of an, of extreme mediocrity. This is the the plans of a loser manifest, and it's hard because I I, I was saying this to Natalie earlier. That's just so hard when you meet a diligent loser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, these guys are the worst. Well, so the many times it just comes down to a lack of imagination. 
the idea of because that requires empathy in many ways, mm-hmm. I think. I think having a true imagination requires you to maybe walk in other people's shoes. And he refused. He, yeah. he is absolutely the entire world is only for Anders' benefit or not. Yeah, he's too stupid to find anything entertaining or funny. Yeah, that's true. He did not like comedy. He didn't like music with lyrics. He didn't like Except singers. Rap is all lyrics. But he dropped all the rap. Then he got into something like called like trance electronica. It, was yeah. it wasn't trance. <laughs> it was like something else. It was very European. Yeah. Because you used to see those coming out of Greenpoint all the time, especially Astoria. Big, huge Polish guy with the cans on at 6.15 in the morning. All yours. And you're like, yeah. isn't this killing your brain? Yeah, you got a, you have a very like 2000, like, Nine view of Greenpoint. I love it. I I miss that Greenpoint. I miss yeah. that Greenpoint. Yeah. I'm no, a true I, Polish Greenpoint. I miss. Yeah, I miss. That's why we need to keep Greenpoint Polish. Oh, no. <laughs> and we oh, need no. to go. Yeah, let's make oh, no, it. No, no, oh, my oh, ankle. Oh, my oh, ankle. I twisted oh, my oh, ankle oh, in an oh, ideological oh, hole. <laughs> you can uh, still eat at Karksmo whenever you want. I love Karksmo. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But right. if you've ever, if you ever go to fucking Brooklyn or New York, if you want the Karksma's best, the best, the best Polish food in America. Karksma. Also, I love Little Poland. I'm still partial to Little Poland, but sure. I also love Karksma. I think Vaselka's Torch Trap. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, Ukrainian. So, yeah. It's, Chris, is it? Yeah, yeah, Vaselka's Ukrainian. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I yeah. love I love Vaselka. I think Vaselka's I mean, wonderful. It's yeah. all right. It's open 24 hours. I know, but Little Poland. Little Poland. I really like Little Poland. Go to Karksma. I don't know, I don't know what Karksma is. It's in, it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's, it's on Greenpoint and Manhattan Avenue. It's good. It's fucking it's incredible. Oh, okay. yeah, Did it's you right take over, me there? I feel like you might have taken me there. I think I did. Take did you me get there. a big pile of meat? Yeah, well, then that's the, Polish food. Yeah, yeah get the Polish then, sample. But was it in, in? Was it a an unreasonably large pile of meat? That's what you get when you go to a <laughs> Polish restaurant. That's why it's good. Yeah. That's why we gotta keep Green Boy Polish. Yeah, Christine's no, no. overrated though. I think that anybody can be Polish. It's about your attitude. Sure. You say this as a Polish man. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now check out LPN Deep Dives Dune this week. You will be. Uh, energized by a special piece of material putting out next week with somebody who's intrinsically part of the new Dune and also is a friend of the mm. show. And But I want you to, to go check out the LPN Deep Dive Dune. There are a lot of people talking about it because Dune's in the air. You can mm. smell it. Yeah, and Dune L- man! Dune <laughs> man! <laughs> yeah, all you rude Duners out there. Yeah. Uh, rude D- Duners L- rise up! LPN Deep Dives has its own feed now. So you can go check it out. Uh, just type in LPN Deep Dives Dune. Wherever you get your... (laughs) Do it, dude. Come and fool me with your worms. (laughs) It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. Sand me. No, you're ruining some memory. me up with it, your body. You're ruining (laughs) some And then also check out Good Put because it has already been live. And now it is on our YouTube and you want to check it out. It is also in the VOD on our Twitch, twitch.tv slash LPNTV. And also, if you want to see what we look like being big... Go to our Patreon, donate the money, and you see a you got ad-free episodes. I got my sweat rag. You got a sweat <laughs> rag. And then you got you can see our faces jiggle mm-hmm. as we talk about uh honestly extremely difficult subjects. Yeah. Uh you can go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. And uh I have been told by the people who uh say that we need to make more money that we give a lot of shit for very little. I hey, I, I yeah. don't know. I like it. I love it too. But I yeah, want you, you to be so 
it's jam-packed full of content. Yeah, you get and you lose yourself, and you and then you are indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. Full episodes, so, slowly but surely. Full episodes, interviews. Behind, we're soon going to be having some behind-the-scenes footage. There's going to be a whole bunch of cool stuff over on our Patreon. So yeah. be sure to go over there uh, to get access to all that. The you LPN watch, labs are are bubbling. Yeah, you can watch Henry work on his manifesto. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. great because you can see a lot of it's very physical. And follow us on TikTok and Instagram at LP on the left. Go to twitch.tv slash LPNTV to yes. check us out and uh, check out our YouTube channel uh, for a ton of cool stuff. we got about 10 episodes of the No Dogs in Space live stream over there on our YouTube channel. So yeah, you can go check those out. Yeah, there's a bunch of brighter out. side as well. So go check that out. Lots of fun shit. Everything's great. Tears of a Clown's killing it. Things mm-hmm. are really good. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. make good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we make good stuff. Go and, check out that shit. And email us at sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. Yeah, with your grievances. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, well, your grievances and corrections. Yeah, they actually read all the shit you complain about. So Sometimes. go ahead, go for it. Well, not that I don't. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> I have seen some. <laughs> I get fun stuff forwarded to me. And thanks to everyone at the uh, Moog Factory out yes. in South Carolina for the amazing shit uh, that they sent me. So thank you very much. It's so nice to know that so many synthesizers over the years have been put together while listening to our voices. That's so, awesome. So, yeah, so if you got a Moog that's been made in the last few years, there's a little bit of us in that synthesizer. Ugh, it just sounds like it's laced with our cum. <laughs> Hail Satan. Oh, hell, game. Hail uh, Anna and Elsa for Norway. The true oh, heroes. Frozen. Oh, That's yeah. They're the frozen. <laughs> At least you didn't say fucking what's his name. Who? The stupid snowman. Olaf? <laughs> I don't like Olaf. No one does. I like that. Olaf, not a fan. Cut him out. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod.